Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Econo Day Unplugged. It's Wednesday, 1st of July, 2020. Mark Pender is across the pond stateside and I'm Jeremy Hawkins here in London. With infections having surged past the 10 million mark and global deaths from the coronavirus now topping 500,000, it's sadly COVID-19 that still dictates price action in financial markets and economic policy around the world. As ever, US developments continue to carry disproportionate weight, so given the contrasting trend in new cases between it and Europe, it should be of no surprise that European stock markets outperformed in June and the euro strengthened against the dollar. Nonetheless, the bottom line was still seems to be that investors are more happy to buy on good news than they're willing to sell on bad. And talking of good news, it's US Employment Week, of course, a day earlier than usual due to the Independence Day holiday. Mark, dare we hope for more payroll gains in June? Well, excuse me. Yes, according to ADP, um, whose estimate was uh, 2.369 million uh, increase in private payrolls, which excludes the government payrolls and the non-farm payrolls, which will be on tomorrow. Uh, and uh, this was uh, a little bit less than uh, Econoday's consensus for $3.5 million, but it is still very positive. But, you know, the reliability of these numbers are way uncertain, uh, underscored by ADP's uh, massive uh, revision to the prior month. Originally, it was $3.1 million. And now they've revised it to down 2.8 million. Uh, no, it was originally down 2.8, and they revised it to kind of match the government's surprisingly strong employment report. They revised it up 5 million. So it's it's completely up in the air. Pays your money, takes your choice, don't you? Yeah. What else we got going on then? Have we got any good news from the economy apart from um, what might be another increase in payrolls? Well, we had an ISM report that was uh, above 50 at 52.6 and had very strong readings for. Uh, new orders and production, but another a very weak reading for employment, which is not a good signal for tomorrow. Um, but and this also is in line with the PMI manufacturing uh, sample, which is a separate sample, and their uh, number was 49.8. And so basically, it's showing that um, these samples, which are top manufacturing um, purchasers. Uh, are reporting stable conditions in June. But, of course, now th these are at significantly lower levels originally mm -hmm. than compared to February. But in the month of June, with all its troubles, uh, uh, whether it's the social unrest at the beginning of the month or the rise in infections at the end of the month, um, it didn't seem to hurt the sample at all. So uh, we'll see. But the big risk, of course, is the rise, as you, as you mentioned, the rise underway in um, the infection rate here in the U.S., which raises questions over how good June, July will become. July will prove. Let me ask you about retail sales, because as ever, we talked about in the past, Europe tends to lag in terms of the, uh, the data releases over here. Uh -huh. But we have have had now a sort of a suite of retail sales numbers. And just just quickly mentioning a, a few of them. We had big bounces coming through with well, most countries. France was up 45 percent, UK 12 percent, Germany 13.9 percent and Swiss almost 31 percent. These monthly numbers in May. Now, uh -huh. the thing to pick out of these, which surprised me, look at the UK and France in a sense okay they're big numbers but sales are still well below where they were in February so before the uh, the coronavirus struck but as of today we saw the German increase 
German sales as of May are now well above where they were in February. It's also true of Switzerland as well. So we've seen you know, a, what seems to me anyway, a surprisingly sharp rebound in retail demand. Um, when I think a lot of people, certainly including myself, thought it would take some while for, you know, for purchases to get back to where they were. Uh, What's Jeremy, it like your side? Well, I have a question about the uh, comparisons there. But yeah. Vehicle sales, wouldn't that almost prevent uh, uh and you mean that we're back to the monthly adjusted level dollar uh euro level of sales yes that's right well you should be said european retail sales don't include vehicles oh. but they do in, but 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 they do include everything else so just on a consistency basis you know uh-huh. what we're talking here apples against apples so mm-hmm. remarkably germany and switzerland despite the falls they saw in what march april march and april now to be fair the falls in both of those countries was nothing like as large as we saw in the lights of spain or france or the uk but nonetheless we've seen big rebounds coming through in May. So if you kind of imagine that coronavirus had never happened and put a straight line through it, you say that, well, hmm. retail sales in those countries are doing very nicely. Thank you very much. Hmm. So I was wondering where sort of the U.S. stands in, in terms of this, because it's a very mixed picture here. Well, again, the collapse in auto sales um, is, you know, a very strong factor here in, um, and how the U.S. retail sales are um, uh, total, but uh, it, when excluding it, uh, we had um, you know sharp declines in uh, March, and uh, for the X Auto, we had uh, minus four five in March, minus uh, seventeen uh, fifteen two in um, April, and a plus twelve point four in um, May. That doesn't make up the difference. How much are we going to see? These sales uh, soar uh, in June. I'm not sure they will. Based on Redbook, which is a weekly tally of same store uh, chain store sales, they were reporting sharp declines at the beginning of June, and that was tied to the social unrest. And it never really recovered. Uh, it did the the degree of contraction ease, the week to week contraction, but it still was uh, pretty weak. Um, I would be surprised if uh, that kind of recovery, uh, even ex auto recovery, uh, would be. We'll see that in the June uh, retail sales report uh, later on this month. But it is possible, certainly, if you want to look at consumer sentiment, consumer confidence. We had those numbers out and in June, and they've been they're well down from their pre um, February or their pre-virus uh, levels in February, um, but they are uh, have recovered significantly. The, conf- the Consumer Confidence uh, Index yesterday came in at 98.1, which was well better than Econoday's expectations. Um, and it did show improvement in the consumer's assessment of the current labor market, which is a positive for tomorrow's employment report. Uh, so, but, you know, the level isn't even close. If, mm. if you want to correlate the, the sentiment with the retail sales, the level isn't even close to where we were. We were at about 120 on this index, 130 on this index before um, the virus hit. So uh, um, and I, I guess it's going to ultimately depend on employment. You know, we had Challenger, which uh, does this job uh, layoff count, and their data came out for June this morning. And um, it showed improvement, uh, many fewer announcements in uh, June. But they uh, also make the point that the uh, uh, pending end to enhanced unemployment benefits, which were put in place initially in March, um, that is not a positive for future uh, health of, of the consumer. So 
Um, and maybe that's a lot of the boosts that we have been seeing, of course, have been tied to the, the federal stimulus. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because it's exactly the same story over here. I mean, we've seen a German market really holding up extremely well. Um, I really said that, well, perhaps that's partly due to the fact that retail sales are doing one, one's feeding off the other. But nonetheless, the German labour market in general appears to, I can't say it's ignore what's been happening in terms of the coronavirus, but unemployment was up for um, what the month of June, just 69,000 on the month. Um, now, we saw increases, a record increase back in April time of over 300,000. But nonetheless, I mean, the unemployment rate in June versus May was up just 0.1% at 6.4%. So by and large, this market has held up very well. But I think as actually you were saying, it's true right across Europe, there's been a whole load of work undertaken by the government in terms of you know, furloughing workers, all of which will be phased out over the course of coming months. And in the UK, we're starting to see some of the first round of that taking place now. And to be honest, most of the, you know, the headline media over here currently, apart from the coronavirus itself, is all to do with fresh layoffs being here, there and everywhere, be it in the travel industry, particularly in the leisure industry in general, in the retail side of things as well. And I think there's a general sense that perhaps you know, people have been cushioned by government uh, job protection programs and the like um, over the course of the last couple of months. And it's led to perhaps almost an artificial bounce in spending you know, as mm. these lockdown measures have been taken away. So now are you saying that these uh, the, the benefits are coming to an end? Um... They start, they start, yeah, they'll start being gradually unwound over the course of coming months. In the UK, it really starts being phased out from August time. And then it's pretty well gone once, unless they change policy, of course, uh, once we get into October. I think you've got a similar sort of pattern taking, taking place across most of the Eurozone as well. Um, Something I must ask you while we're on retail sales, the interesting thing which came out of the uh, the Office of National Statistics, our stats people the other day, just looking at what's been going on with the the share of online sales and Uh what it might mean for the structure of the retail industry going forward. So over over here, it took seven years. So this is from 2012 to 2019 for the share of online sales in total retail sales to move up from 9% to 19%. But it's taken four months, so that's from January 2020 to to May, to get up from 19% to 33%. And there's this one survey which suggests that the whole pandemic has accelerated to move online by perhaps something up to five years. And we're never going to see the current, you know, we may well see online sales going down again as a share. But basically, we've seen a stock adjustment now, which must have implications ultimately for unemployment and so on as we go forward. 33% of all retail retail sales in Europe? In May. This this is UK. Yeah. In the UK. Yeah. The US does it. They have a, the non snore category, which is dominated by e commerce, but it's not entirely e commerce. Um, I'm just looking for hard numbers here. Um, the first quarter, uh, e commerce sales represented 11.8. And it's like you said, it's you know been creeping up over uh, the last 10 years. But, so we don't have a definitive number on that. Um, but the growth uh, has been in the mid uh, teens, the monthly growth in this. Uh, and that's compared to. Um, I mean, the annual growth is about in the mid-teens, which is, you know, compares to, uh, you know, in the low single digits for for retailers in general. But, you know, there's going to be a structural movement, a, a change in um, in how we 
um, not only buy things, but how we make things as well. The supply side has also been rebounding, uh, but I don't think it was uh, as dramatically um, as, as some of these indications you're talking about on the on the demand side. No, I think that's, that's true. I think that's pretty well true of Europe as well. I think you now there was a lot of pent up demand here from consumers who were in lockdown. They simply wanted to go out and spend just to try and get back to some kind of norm again. But it's going to be interesting that if we do see this ongoing surge in you know, internet demand, you know, one of the reasons has been put forward why inflation, typically speaking around the world, or certainly industrialized countries, has stayed much lower than most people originally expected it to be, has been you know, the growth for the web, the growth of online purchases and so on. Well, if that is going to continue to grow, it may well be that the case, you know, the case that we can have all this sort of quantitative easing and so on. Um, and we still don't see inflation necessarily going up that much. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to look at it on a structural basis. And I've got to say, just you know, within Euro, inflation at the moment, no one talks about it. And that's reflected in an Austrian bond auction we had just last week, where the Austrian government went in with a 100-year bond. So we're talking a century here, which was oversubscribed several times with a yield of 0.88%. Now, that really means that investors are just desperate to get hold of anything with a yield which is actually now highly rated. Um, or they simply believe that, well, inflation is now long dead forever. We don't oh, have to worry I, about it. Can we just back up a second? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to let it settle. Your uh, comment on the relationship of expanding e-commerce and inflation? Yeah, the development of yeah, the, the the fact you've had all this e-commerce and it's reduced the need to have warehouses and well sh- retail shops, shopping centres and so on. It's led to you know reduced pressure on output prices because input costs have gone down. So it's helped to keep inflation down. So if we continue to see e-commerce taking a rising share of total retail sales, it may be possible that is going to provide some kind of additional downside pressure uh-huh. on on inflation, which notwithstanding all all this money the central banks have been throwing at everything we know for the past couple of months or so uh-huh. it may mean that you, know, you can more than negate that so it's the final destruction of the brick and mortar shops well it's going to be interesting isn't that um some words i should mention also just while we're while we're on inflation because there will be some you know, some changes taking place in tax rates in europe so germany as of today um, has reduced its standard rate of value added tax, so the VAT rate. That will go down, well, it's gone down from 19% to 16%. They also have a reduced rate out there, so called, and that's gone down from 7% to 5%. And this is going to last as things currently stand through to the end of December. Now, as I understand it, I think you know, VAT covers around about 60% or so of the consumption basket. So if all of that were to be passed on to the, to the consumer, then you're almost certainly going to see German at least headline inflation going negative. You'll also see the core rate going down. And of course, since Germany at the end of the day is still knocking on around, what, 30% of the Eurozone, it could even take a, well, it probably will take Eurozone inflation below zero as well. Now, true, you can say this is a one-off impact just coming from a change in taxes, and you may well get the rebound if they push VAT back up the beginning of next year. But it means for the likes of the ECB, which of course is desperate see inflation going up again it's going to be faced with yet another leg down in prices and you know it's it's raises more question marks about the credibility of whether this two percent target is going to be right they're going to be worried that inflation expectations may be dragged down as a result of this so it's going to make you know the policy of the ecb even more problematic than it is now 
You mean they're still talking about a 2%? The Fed is, it doesn't talk about their 2%. Only that they were completely unable to meet it, uh, you know, in the last cycle. So, um, and, you know, their understanding of inflation isn't isn't all that crystal clear. It's like, well, we didn't get any last time, even though we were expecting it. So the odds of us getting it this time don't seem very high. Um, that's essentially their line. Um, but they're not talking about a 2% line anymore. Oh, you look at the ECB stuff and it's still, you know, we will be doing whatever we're doing um, to, you know, to boost economic activity with a view to meeting our near 2% target over the medium term. That's now, what the got, Bank of, it sounds like the Bank of Japan's been doing for 20 years. Well, right? It does. It sounds remarkably <laughs> similar, doesn't it? And I think you know, probably stick the Bank of England at the moment as well. And in fact, talking to B of V, I mean, and, you know, and the problems these central banks have with a, a lack of inflation, um, there's a good deal of talk that we could get a fresh fiscal statement. Uh, coming out, the Chancellor, well, this month, possibly as early as next week. And there's been talk that there may be a cut in the UK VAT rate as well. And that currently stands at 20%. Um, so they could perhaps take, I don't know what, a couple of percentage points off that. And if we look back to the you know, the global financial crisis back in 2008-9, they introduced a temporary cut in VAT then. That took it from, what, 17.5% down to 15%. And the ONS worked out that if that was passed on in full, it would take, what, about a percent and a half off the UK inflation rate. So, I mean, again, if we see something like that, even if just half of it is passed on, you have a likelihood that's it, that's UK inflation is going to be negative as well. We already have nine of 19 Eurozone block countries with negative inflation rates. So, I suppose you put it all together and you wonder, well, how much lower can bond yields go? With inflation falls further and further into negative territory, who's to say this bond rally can't go further? Hmm. Oh, and a, and a note on the um, the end or, or the lowering of the of the taxes that'll be an offset, will it, to the end of the benefits for the consumer? It will be a part. I think that's part of it. I think. I mean, it's got to the stage now where, and this is clearly going to cost the the government money. I mean, it's not going to be you know a cut in VAT. It will hit the uh, public sector borrowing quite hard. But yes, it will help to you know offset, as you say, some of the well, what amounts to uh, you know, the withdrawal of stimulus by the by the phasing out of these furlough payments and so on. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's go. Let's uh, another question I have on Germany. Just a spectacular. Um, employment uh unemployment rate just uh, so uh, uh moderate in its increase um do they expect uh, do they see any troubles do they do are there any is the reopening going fine or is, is there risk that that will go up that the, that there may be bankruptcies uh, especially for the smaller companies anything like that I think there still is. I think what we're seeing in Germany at the moment, um, well, partly it's, it's a reflection of a number of things. One, I think, to give the Merkel government credit, um, I think it's fair to say that the way they reacted very aggressively and very quickly, they actually kept the lid on uh, the COVID-19 effects um, much yeah, much more firmly and much more quickly than we've seen pretty well anywhere else, certainly in Europe and, in, and probably most of the world as well. And that in itself, I think, has helped to limit the amount of damage that we've seen to the German economy. And I suppose you can say that in itself is reflected in the fact that you know, we did see this big bounce coming through in retail sales and they're, and they're back to where, well, more than back to where they were beforehand. But I think reading between the lines and you hear what the government's saying, they are still very aware 
that not just the German economy, but the global economy is suffering badly at the moment. And were there to be a second shot from either COVID or, you know, there's now talk about this possible second round of a new swine flu pandemic coming out of China, anything like that. And the whole global economy is very exposed. So Germany has factors just taken over uh, the presidency of the, the EU. Um, for the next six months. And it's expected that we're going to see some, well, potentially fundamental shifts in the way EU fiscal policy has been working. And I think you know, one of the, the first signs of that is that the German government has come out and indicated that will be, um, well, it has this thing called a debt break, which effectively limits the amount that the government can borrow with a view to you know, fiscal stimulus and, and so on. And that makes it extremely difficult traditionally for Germany to expand fiscal policy, as we might see elsewhere, elsewhere around the world. Now, they, they took that break away. They suspended it for this year due to the coronavirus. And they've now come out and said they'll also be probably be suspending it again next year. Now, this, if it's true, suggests there is some kind of fundamental shift in the way German policy is working. So it's shifting away from the traditional, if you like, export-led uh, German economy to one which where growth is being more domestically generated. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, it may or may not be a good thing for Germany, but it's certainly good news for the rest of the European Union. Mm. Now, Ger Germany runs with a current account, and has been for ages, runs with a current account surplus of best part of 7% or so of GDP. And it's been a constant thorn in the side of the other Eurozone members and European Union members that, you know, Germany basically saves too much. It should be out there spending more, which would boost the German economy and more important, the likes of Italy, Spain, Portugal, you know, provide a boost to those economies as well. Have we, um, have we had German uh, trade uh, numbers for May yet? Uh, German trade numbers, we've had them for, let me think, for April. We April, haven't had yeah, them. Looking at that. And that's a reminder, exports were down, you know, 30, more than 30% on the year in that month. Of course, yeah. that was big virus month. But um, that's, and it's even going into that, there was declines appearing. So, um, you know, German trade wasn't on the upswing going into this mess. And, I think uh, you're right. And it may perhaps just be a reflection of all this talk at the moment about, you know, almost unwinding globalization, the fact that countries are going to want to look more after themselves. So for Germany, well, OK, let's suppose now that you know trade barriers are going to happen more and more around the world. We can't be so dependent on exports. We need to start you know, doing more domestically. Now, that may well help the rest of the European Union, but it's you know, the starting point, I suppose, is Germany looking after itself first. Mm. Okay, um, what else have we got? I suppose from my side, I should just quickly touch on Brexit. Not there's too much to say at the moment, but the latest rounds of talks did kick off this week and they'll be concluding on also on Friday. Um, the EU chief uh, negotiator, Michel Barnier, he came out yesterday and surprise, surprise, rejected the UK's latest proposal for uh, financial firms to be allowed to do business within the, within the European bloc, uh, complaining that basically the UK's cherry picking and trying to say all the good bits out of the Eurozone or the European Union relationship without giving anything back. So this is going to rumble on for a bit. 
Um, for what it's worth, both sides appear now to be talking about some kind of October deadline um, to actually have a table, uh, an agreement on the table that they can sign off on to make sure it's uh, duly passed through all the various national governments that it has to be uh, ratified in uh, before the end of the year. But it's something, you know, keep your eye on, because as we've seen from the way the markets trade sterling, putting the coronavirus on one side is still very vulnerable to bad news coming out of Brexit. And as we start getting towards October, if there's still no sign of any kind of progress, then we could well see the pound coming under the hammer again, as we saw during uh, the run up to the, the last election, uh, when markets were getting very concerned about a hard Brexit. OK, um, well, I guess that's probably it from my side. Anything more from your side? No, that's good. Uh, we have the big employment report tomorrow. Who knows what the number is going to be? But, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. Okay, then. Well, let's wound it, wind it up, I should say, there for today, then. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, and our Australian-based guru, Brian Jackson, will be joining us uh, for an update on how things are shaping up in the Southern Hemisphere. In the meantime, remember, you can keep on top of all the key data and events in the Day's global economic calendar. From Mark and myself, thanks, as always, for listening. Stay safe. Have a good Independence Day holiday if you're in that part of the world, Thank and you. we'll see you next. You're welcome. And we'll see you next time. Bye for now.